0: Before after before. (laughs) They turned out to be completely unreliable assholes. Hi Tim. Ryan Ryan
1: Ryan McDuffie. Ryan McDuffie. Right, right, that's ra, ra, me. Right, 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 right. Watch out for that scream. See what I did there? I took the George of the Jungle theme and I made it into <laughs> you.
0: <laughs> oh, 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 scream! <laughs> Do you have a similar hello song for all our lovely listeners? Oh my God! On the spot? No.
1: <laughs> List list, 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 listeners, you are listening. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 oh.
0: Yet, listen to me scream. Hopefully not That's it. Too, too listlessly. We don't want listless listeners. <laughs> so hopefully that song is a perfect way to offset listlessness among our listeners. Hello, listeners. Thank you so much for being here. Well, I mean, yeah, they either continued listening or immediately turned it off. (laughs) Or turned it up. Hey! Hey. Because we're here to party on episode 119 of Dismembering Horror. The podcast shoe were myself, Ryan Joseph McDuffie, as you may have heard, and... Oh, myself, Timothy Ryan Aslan. That's right. Two Ryans between us. We talk about what worked for us what didn't work for us, and anything else we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film. One that we've been wanting to see, one we've been curious to see, one we've been told to see, one that the ether has told us we should see, or that it thinks we should see. We, uh, we're, we're meeting the spirit of, hey, hey, how did this work for us? How did this not work for us? Where did we have fun therein? What could we gleam from this? all based on the format I just laid out for you. <laughs> hey. Anything to, anything to add there, Tim, about what, what we're th- doing here? Nope. We're just two bros. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> doing, doing whatever they know how to do best. Throwing it up. Watching horror movies. Great, great, great. And we're very happy to have you join us for this. Regardless, if you watched the film or not... We hope you did, because that's kind of the spirit of this all. But hey, if not, you're here for the party. Great. That's great, too. And for episode 119, we pulled from our hat, the film, The Thing from Another World, from 1951. Mm. Woo! What a year. Yeah. (laughs) You remember it well, Tim?
1: Oh, man. Do I ever... My mom turned one. Oh, yeah? My dad turned two.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You remember celebrating accordingly? Oh, it was a joyous occasion. Great. I wonder if they saw this film as babies. (laughs) Isn't that a trip, though, to think that they were alive when this movie was a new release? I mean, barely, but yeah, yeah. They were though. They, I mean, they were, they were definitely you're, alive. You're alive or you're not, Tim. <laughs> you're just, but it's wow. It's just, that like, is like, <laughs> no. Just think about it. Like your parents, like little baby hands. They're weird. They could have like touched or thrown up on like a newspaper clipping of this film. <laughs> wow. Yeah. They sure could have, and here, here is their son, uh, seventy years later. They were probably <laughs> about stuffing it. their their beds with that newspaper because my parents were poor. <laughs> then sleeping on top of the thing yeah. from Another World of Clippings. That's right. It's incredible. Incredible. <laughs> Growing up in rural Michigan. Yeah. And Wisconsin. Wow. <laughs> wow. I feel like that's a perfect place to have seen this movie back when oh, it came yeah. out. Hell yeah. In the cold. Cold, indeed. Well, Tim, for The Thing from Another World, unless you got anything else to to, to just just get us right into it, should we watch the trailer? Or You got anything else?
1: No, but this, yeah, let's watch the trailer because it's so exciting.
0: Great. All right, here we go. As we said from 1951 when Tim's parents were little babies, The Thing from Another World. The Thing from another world. This is the spot where it was first seen, and these are the first people who saw the thing. How did it get here? Where
1: did it come from? What is it? That thing's alive, sir. I saw it, I shot at it, I hit it, I know it. Nothing happened, it just kept coming at me, making a noise like a cat I mean, Captain, it was awful. You could have seen those hands and those eyes. Captain, you've got to do something about it, you've got.
0: Is it human or inhuman? earthly or unearthly baffling questions astounding questions that not even the world's greatest scientific minds can answer gentlemen do you realize what we've found a being from another world as different from us as one pole from the other a story of modern science that challenges imagination just Damn. pure pure straight up challenges imagination Gosh. that's one of the That's one of the titles you couldn't read since you're just listening to the trailer or intertitled cards. It
1: challenged everything. (laughs) What? Like what? (laughs) Uh you know, plants are people and aliens exist and Yeah. And stoic army men versus weird, weird looking science. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Take that
0: science. (laughs) <laughs> Science got a real punch in the old Keister. Well, you know it. It does. It, this did challenge a lot. Think of this. Like Psycho is nine years away. This really was just such the first of its kind. I mean, not that it's like Psycho, but you know what I mean. Just as sort of a greater horror. Like
1: I, I you know, I will say just just if we're if we're gonna comment broadly right now, it is so clearly the template for. Alien, um, oh shit, there was another movie that it made me think of right away where I was like, dude, this is this is that movie. Alien yeah. is a big one, and um, damn, what's wrong with my Alien, brain? <laughs> Alien 3. <laughs> yeah, Alien 3. <laughs> um, I'll think of it. But yeah, I think it's really cool that you can see how kind of influential – this this template of like you know we're trapped in here and we don't know who to trust and you know that sort of thing of of the doctor having ulterior motives that are putting his own interests in front Mm. of you know the safety of everybody (sighs) because because of this
0: desire to discover something new I mean, of course, yeah, when you look at it that way, I mean, that's, yeah, Aliens, the obvious um, example. But I mean, I thought of just you you were saying to get even more broadly of just monster on the loose. Like, this Mm -hmm. is the template just for that, too. Yeah. Which, that's why I think it's so huge, game-changing. 51, it's still fully doing the 50s thing when we're barely out of the 40s. It's so cool. (laughs) Well, Tim, how... We watched the trailer, so next up we got to rate it per our rating system. Would Tim tell Tim to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it?
1: You know, it's it's a classic, obviously, and it's got some really incredible stuff in it. But to be honest, for me, like, as a whole, like, as a movie overall, I don't think it's great. Like, right, like, in sort of the most overall sense, like if I were to sit down and be like, Oh, I want to just like a from a popcorn sort of sit down, watch a movie. Cause I, I feel like that's what this, this was geared toward when it came out. I don't think it's that great. It has some really amazing highlights for sure. But like, you don't even see the monster until minute 57. You know what I mean, which is Tim's which is like, good and "boo,
0: bad. show us the monster." <laughs>
1: like it's an eighty-seven-minute movie, right? Like I get it. That sort of Jaws does the same thing, and the tension of that is a lot of the movie. But I don't know. It's a rent. It's a <laughs> solid rent. Great. I also gave it. A Am solid I yelling? Rent. I feel like I'm yelling. What am you're I always, doing?
0: You're always yelling, Tim. Jesus. Just drink <laughs> just drink more of your yell juice. <laughs> Mama needs a juice. He's drinking his yelling juice, his rock star, finishing mm. can number three. I had three uh, cans the other day. What a mistake. <laughs> Dude. Um, I didn't even know I did it. <laughs> you're going to be busting through windows like the thing from another <laughs> world. Gotcha. Roar! Oh, man, that door behind me is looking really flimsy. (laughs) I know, it's going to burst in. Um, (laughs) Yes, Tim, I agree. I gave it a rent it. Um, More so, I guess, yeah, I kind of shared your thoughts. I guess maybe, yeah, we are pretty on the same page of where, like, sheer, like, entertainment, it didn't quite scratch the same itch to push it into buy-it territory as, let's say, another 50s sci-fi horror film that we watched, Fiend Without a Face. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um but I I think like I'd definitely tell myself to rent it for things I did really love about it. I'd be down yeah. to see it again. But just me being me telling me to rent it, I'd let just do that just for the historical, you know, reasons. Absolutely. Alone film history, and within there too, you know, there is more film history. It's easy for me to slip into the mode of saying, oh, it's just, we're just talking about movies here, folks, that's it, but there's so much embedded in cultures of film, and I think it's neat to look at um, this period historically. It's always interested me, sort of coming out of World War II, all that. Yeah, I agree. I agree with
1: all of that. I mean, there's a reason that this movie is, like, in... Your film studies class.
0: Yeah. Whether it's, and it, that can be, yeah, whether the, the overlap and or what it has to say about outside of film history, but then just for the no, the film history itself of like what we already said Monster on a Loose, uh, uh, you know, all that, all that good fun stuff. It's the first of. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we watched it. <sighs> the thing from another world. So, so we got to summarize it, Tim. Okay. You want me to do that? I don't know. Do you want me to do that? No, I'll do it.
1: Okay. A um, let's see. A U.S. Air Force base in the in Anchorage, and you know, exploring territory in the Arctic near the North Pole. Um, get summoned to a. Uh, a scientific outpost, <clears throat> because of a uh, 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 an anomalous reading on their on their whatever their Geiger counter stuff, and so they <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's beeping, sir. Yep, and so they go out there and they discover a flying saucer has crash-landed in the Arctic and is embedded in the ice. How amazing. Theremins abound. And uh, as, as you know, <laughs> as 50s military are wont to do, they blow it up. <laughs> but they were Incredible. trying to just melt the ice. But they blow it up anyway. And they discover a... Spaceman. And so he's embedded in the ice, and they bring him back. You guys know this story. It's like, it's the thing. What the hell? <laughs> um But anyway, they bring him back to the base or the little outpost, and uh they science it up. And then he gets loose because somebody put a, an electric blanket over the ice because he didn't want to look at the weird body in the ice. And the electric blanket was on, guys. Like, come on. And it melts the ice, and then the thing is on the loose. And he just wreaks havoc on everyone. And, um, you know, and then they have to figure out how to kill it. What's going or on with... The science? the science officer, like the main doctor, he doesn't want to kill it. He wants to study it and, like, become friends with it. Because he knows that it's more intelligent than them. And this is like the discovery of a lifetime.
0: Also, there's also, a journalist there who wants who wants a big scoop. Right, right. So that was my question. I was gonna ask what the, what the what the characters were up to. But I'll also point out the scientist. At one point, he's willing to say that, he, that they should all sacrifice themselves so this thing can live, so other people can study it. That feels very like fifties.
1: Uh, Cold War paranoia, the Russians are infecting our brains and going (laughs) to populate the world like with their thought experience of whatever weapons of of, like the idea has infected the doctor and now he just he wants to let let it populate out into the world and destroy all of the things that are good. Right.
0: Well, and we'll also mention so you mentioned Scotty's the uh, the reporter. Right. We got him going on. And then we got kind of like a little, a a little love story of something going on with Captain Patrick Hendry (laughs) and Mm. Nikki Nicholson.
1: (laughs) Nikki Nicholson.
0: (laughs) So, Tim, quiz time, Tim. Okay, go for it. Name all of the characters from. the the but our previous episode climax and name all the characters from the thing from another world.
1: Nikki, Bobby, Billy, Sally, Jenny, Fred, George, Dr. Chivago, uh, uh
0: Billy. Did I say Billy? Billy, Stevie, yes. Georgie. <laughs> Shit. I don't know. Great. So now how about the characters from The Thing from Another World? That so was both. Cl- <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're all the same just noting like yeah we've had these these two recent episodes where it's like a big ensemble and you just don't know any of their names it's just funny (laughs) yeah
1: it is funny there this movie is there are some really sort of interesting nuances to this movie that are i don't even know what to think of them just like i don't know if they were choices or they were like uh, I don't know it's it's we'll get into it
0: <laughs> well and lastly just to mention for our summary in case you didn't know or if it was it seems obvious in horror circles but this was the original film the thing that then the John Carpenter thing was based on mm-hmm. and then it's all based on a book so oh so yeah you go. I
1: kind of want to it's it's a little short
0: book isn't it I feel like it's like a novella yeah I think I should I should grab that. Grab it. I'm sure it's available at your local library, Tim. And you live so close to the Los Feliz branch. You can just get any book sent there. It's the one I go to. Oh, yeah, the library. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> anyway, a little shout out for libraries, Woo! folks. All I've right, Tim. There. Well, I'm sure there's plenty that have worked for, that did work for us. So should we get into that section? Yeah, we should. All right, here we go. What worked? What, what worked?
1: It worked like a charm, worked? What worked for you?
0: Tim, I did love a lot about this movie, Tim. Yeah, me too. I got the top of my list, perhaps the dialogue. (laughs) Like, the what they were saying itself and how they were saying it, like the overlapping dialogue. It's like there's a couple yeah, there's a couple other filmmakers from this era that kind of do that. And I just, I just love that so much. And you can see Howard Hawks, he didn't direct this, but produced it. You can see that's his style and that how it goes on to influence John Carpenter and other, you know, Carpenter's contemporaries. I, I just know Howard Hawks has that reputation um, yeah, but that dialogue, man. I like. I just want to bite it and chew on it. You know what I mean? It's just so good. I it's do. I do. It's funny. It's, it's so. That's kind of kind of what I was referring to. It's so
1: stylized, and it it almost made me feel like I was like, it's almost a detriment to the film in a weird way because it's it's hard to follow along because they are they're very, it's. I had this moment where I was, like, this overlapping and, like, super fast and basically, like, mumbled by a lot of people. Like, they're not enunciated. They're just, like, and I was, like, what's the point of that? Like, if it were a choice, what's the effect that it's having? And I th- And there's a part of me that thinks that that was very purposeful to give us this sense of confusion and to, like, Feel a little off kilter that we can't quite wrap our our brains around like anything because they're in this situation and maybe that was all a purposeful choice and then there was part of me that was like or nobody really knew their lines and they're just like getting the gist out and just like flying through it. And they're like, this is a, st-, like the actors are just like, this is a stupid, another stupid sci-fi movie. I wish I hadn't gotten cast in this. Like blah, blah, blah. Let's just like wing it and throw our lines away constantly. No, and I'm man, like, I-, I honestly don't know which it is. But like either way, it has an effect. And I kind of like it.
0: I uh I... Great, I'm glad you like it, but I got to push back on a couple aspects there. I think the the actors it feels like they're only having fun um and enjoying working on this film, and that comes I agree through with that and then yeah. the the dialogue itself I was up i was I was with you for the description up until like, I wouldn't say mumbling is like a primary factor. Like I, I would say that the lead guy he he
1: borderline mumbles all of his lines.
0: I could understand them just fine, I don't know what to tell you, like maybe I need I, my ears checked i I don't have a great hearing either. um <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to like push back there. I'm not whatever um no, just say it's the overlapping quality. it just gave it this this like hangout movie sense, you know, in a way where it was mm-hmm. it was fun to kind of be with them, learn about this all, and they're referring to things that just happened like like. Yeah, the, the the style as well as um the words they're saying it's just they're f- you can tell they're fun to say, so it's fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not too like hey, hey, zing bab. Getcha, gotcha. No,
1: I agree with that. It has this other quality to it that it's almost I don't really know how to define it. It's you know what it it's almost like they were told to not act which is great like yes great direction but as a result you have everybody kind of being like wait what we're not supposed <laughs> to do the thing like the thing that we normally do which is that very stylized like mid-atlantic do- dialect sort of like hey see hey everybody we're in a film <laughs> and like yeah and that is inherently that style is very, very fast paced like like you you chew out the the dialogue in that style and it almost feels to me like they like they were having and I think they were I agree with you they were having fun with it, but they were kind of caught in the middle a little bit of like this is different than what we normally do
0: It was a leap of faith for sure yeah yeah, on yeah, their, yeah. their
1: part but right. yeah it does work because it it honestly makes you feel a part of the group right yeah like, exactly. everybody's I mean, just
0: hang out it's movie. so
1: conversational and so sort of like loose that that's that's good i just felt it, like i was missing stuff
0: <laughs> and it's funny too it it is funny yeah i was laughing throughout it there's they're you funny be, the, yeah the you jokes better were be funny like it's so
1: quick-witted and so like <laughs> facile Yeah. But I was like, and you know
0: what it is too? They're not playing the joke Mm -hmm. at all. They're like deadpanning it. Like the example when he he asks about some specific um like like army code. And, you know, is, like, oh, can you explain it via army code? And he gives off this, like, this, this long, long. Yeah, it's like,
1: <laughs> it's like article 369 of section 12977830000 <laughs> subsection 00003. And he's like, hey, yeah, what was that? What was that uh, article number again? <laughs> and it's very, it's dry, I think, is what it is. Well, just kind of gives of, the response like, "Oh, oh yeah, that one." Kind <laughs> of right, right, exactly. It does have a little bit of that feel that they were sort of that they were kind of commenting on military, like, uh, what would you call it? Like camaraderie. Yeah, you know, that, yeah. That that is the sort of vibe of that. Of there's almost a cynicism within that because we've just we've just come out of World War II.
0: Well, it's a it's in it's it's like throwing hard optimism to combat cynicism. Like here they are yeah. all, they could all be dead, killed off by this monster. They all know it. Yeah, what are they going to do? They come up with the plan and they execute it, and hey, they're going to make jokes along the way, you yeah. know, <laughs> like yeah. I mean,
1: in a way, it's it's that standard, I guess, almost gallows humor sort of thing that you do find in the military, which is very right. appropriate.
0: Well, yeah, because they're simply like something that a lot of us, you know, it's uh, aspire to in life. Is you're so when you're in the army like that. I mean, I can't speak to it, but you're so clearly a part of a mission a part Mm -hmm. of something greater so they're just kind of they're just they're just they're just doing it they're living their life and they're gonna crack jokes along the way it's fun
1: i like how everything in the first like 20 minutes of the movie is like about women (laughs) yeah it's like really setting the stage that they're like talking about dames and and you know beautiful girls and all this stuff it's like they are lonely (laughs) (laughs) yeah man (laughs) which is good like it's smart right it's like get reinforce that sense of isolationism that this movie is kind of about right
0: it's just kind of smart to acknowledge it too because i mean we're obviously thinking about it it's like 18 dudes living with two women (laughs) you know it's hard (laughs) not to just wonder about the dynamics um when we're talking about the the dialogue style and how you're saying like you know i i took it to mean is when you said when you said like they were told not to act that meant in terms of that very typical 40s 30s mm-hmm. coming out of silent films kind of hyped up acting so so what's 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 so cool about what that allows for is when you did have moments in this film that were let's say like those lines of the sort of lines that have more uh uh, a little more drama behind them or you know have the 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 music cue along with them saying it bum bum bum. It uh it gave those moments more weight because you weren't because of the style that's been established of a more you right. know quote unquote realistic or natural or whatever. So like just to jump way, way to the end where when when we fade to the end of the movie, the last lines are the uh the the reporter we, we like along the way. He's finally, you know, gotten a hold of the mainland and is kind of warning the world about what just happened. And he's saying, watch the skies. Keep looking. Look for the skies. And it's, oh, it's just so cool. I love that last line and just how he was giving it gave me chills. And it wouldn't have been the same if it was along the way you sort of had this, this sort of over-dramatized style. But it, it made it. So it was just like, oh, it felt, real when he is delivering this message with that kind of conviction
1: I think that's a really good point and a really good like important sort of lesson in directing actors because like you have to pick and choose when you want things to to be to, to really land and if if your actors are constantly trying to chew up the scenery in every single moment of the film it it undercuts the moments that really matter and so like it's a you know good directors will know when to be like hey just throw it away let it let it go like don't you don't need to fucking win an oscar on every single line of this film and a lot of actors you know they're i think they're really eager to put their stamp on a thing and that's great But it's the director's job to kind of reel them in a little bit at various times and just be like, hey, you can just exist and we are interested, right? Like you do not have to – you can just deliver the pizza. You don't have to make a thing out of it. (laughs) Deliver the pizza. It's okay to do that. And a lot of the time, to your point, it's – it's really really good to have those moments as a counterpoint to the times that serious shit is going down in your story.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. God, love those last lines and how he was saying it. So good. Yeah. Watch the skies. Watch <laughs> the skies. I um I mean, how about just some any other overall things? How about the music with the theremin? Love it.
1: I wonder (laughs) too, you know, how, when was the first, do we know when the first sort of use of the theremin uh, came into film?
0: I don't think anyone knows that. I bet somebody does it. (laughs) I'm (laughs) going to look it up. I was just being a smartass. I think this was the, this was probably one of the first ones. I mean, again, like 1951. It's hard to imagine stuff earlier. I know. Doing it. Well,
1: it's great. I think the setting is there's just to me there's just something so, ex- and maybe this is a product of kind of I don't know watching movie. I don't know what it is where this comes from. The isolation settings, in particular, Arctic settings, are always really, really pleasing to me. I don't I don't know what it is. There's something. I think maybe it's a product of that feeling of it's off world. It, it It's not, it's so unfamiliar to us. Um, But there's also like for me, maybe a nostalgia because I grew up in the cold, right? Like winters were long and snowy and you spent a lot of time trying to make do and make some fun out of that. But like, I love a like snow covered, barren landscape i don't know why (laughs) i don't want to be in it but i love it like it's really nostalgic to me so just that in and of itself and of course the whole just the whole conceit of like we're out here alone trapped there's nowhere to go it's not like we can leave we can't just like go around the corner and be safe like we're it it's there's no there's nothing out there so yeah to me that kind of setup and I like you know every time I sit down to try and you know come up with a a story like a horror story in particular it's one of the first things I think of like how do I isolate the characters so that we get that sense of oh they're they're screwed they're trapped um and I think good horror Knows how to how to do that. Obviously, it's not applicable to every type of horror, but you know, the ones that it is, it's it's so important to get that
0: right. Just knowing you, I'm trying to think of like why that maybe. I mean, it's it's a pretty universal thing, but totally. Knowing, knowing you, I'm wondering, is it the aspects of how it forces people to all confront something and work together? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a big
1: part of it. I think that you Yeah, it's sort of a metaphor for like y- you can't escape the the realities of of your life or your situation. Like you have to face it. Yep. It's so uh,
0: like that to me is important. You got to work together and use your your wits, your physical prowess, you got to use everything you've got to defeat the thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The thing. <laughs> I uh let's just get get on to some moments therein then when they it's just so cool and classic when they find it under the ice and measure it out by standing in a circle. Yeah. Like let's let's get a sense of the shape and size of this thing. And yeah. we'll see it's the perfect circle. And it's like it's so funny because in my mind, you know, I'm imagining like, oh, they're gonna be so skeptical to call it a UFO and blah blah blah. But no, pretty right away it's like, it's a circle, it's a UFO, we found a UFO, <laughs> you know, we found a spaceship. <laughs> like what'd they think it was up to that point? Right, right. I mean they think uh, you know, the thing sticking up, they think it's a plane, it's got that little fin. That's true. I, yeah, I they kind of think it could be a Russian <laughs> Yeah, uh, but the spy mood spy something. You're right. The mood is for sure. Like they're all thinking it. <laughs> it's a yeah. we found a UFO, guys. And then, like you said in the summary, it's just so just funny. Not and it's like typical, not in a movie way, but how they blow it up. Like just that these army <laughs> dudes, just like. They're just like, well, how do we get it out? They just accidentally blow it up while doing, just trying to get it out. It's so just like, of course, guys. And then what's so smart, though, just to like an example what we're talking about, the movie itself is smart. It's funny. It's almost keeps it going as a running gag because then they get after they blow it up without receiving orders. Then they hear later they get their official orders to try to do what exactly what they did and use explosives to get it out. So we're kind of like, Whoa, we dodged a bullet there as far as uh yeah. you know being culpable about blowing it up. But then they even laugh about it later. One of them's like, can you believe it? You know, we uh blew up the spaceship, we lost the the alien. There were a bunch of butterfingers they call themselves. Like a bunch <laughs> That's of right bunch of Butterfingers. fingers. <laughs> this is oh love it. god. They acknowledge it. It's so funny. Yeah, it's so ridiculous.
1: Yeah, you know, overall it, it it does it it moves at a pretty good pace. Like I didn't find my, a lot of the time with these sort of pre-60s movies, I find myself kind of drifting away and being like, "Okay, let's get on with it." This doesn't really do that, which is that's uh, Kind of remarkable to be honest.
0: <laughs> they're they're going from room to room enough, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're Even in this going. sort of
1: like there's only so many rooms in this location, and yet we still feel like a sense of sort of
0: urgency and things are moving along. I um, like the big the the big rec room that they have that's like their main hangout space. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a lodge, it felt like.
1: Yeah, totally. Um what else? I mean, I think most of the characters are pretty they're they're well defined, even though they're weirdly nondescript. Like we don't know any of them, but we kind of know them just in impl- uh, implicitly. Yeah, implicitly. Like, you know, I don't know any of their names, but there's like the blondish nice. <laughs> the blondish guy who's sort of a second in command, dude, and there's like the third-in-command buddy of his that's got darker hair and is younger. And you know what I mean? Like, you kind of get this vibe from them, and a lot of that comes from the style of the dialogue. Um, obviously, the reporter has a very specific role. The doctor is very well-defined. Uh, and the lead dude, very much, I don't know if you felt this way, but he's got that same thing we've seen before where it's like, shoot first, ask questions later, man. Just, like, go... Guns a in, in. Um, and, you know, for the most part
0: for me, that works. That character works. He's, I will say, more. yeah, maybe a, another trait he has that's, I don't know, I won't want to say it's, why he's not totally the same as that trait or other characters like that we've talked about, why he's not quite Jack Bauer territory. no, is no he's, he's not there. <laughs> he seems to me more like, like the very um, chain of command type of guy. Yes. Like, yeah, he's sort of executing his, you know, his certitude, you know, in that kind of just, this is how it is. It's dangerous to us. We got to kill it away. But no, he seems very like all under, no, this is just army protocol and that he's is yeah. is it more so an extension of that.
1: Well, and for- he has this other quality too that makes us like him, I think, which is he is – by the book chain of command guy, but when you step out of line in that, he's not an asshole about it. He just
0: goes, hey, come on.
1: Yeah. He just sort of brushes away. He's like, let's take it easy. Captain and that's, Patrick Hendry. Like, you see it in the first scene um, when they're playing cards, and they start to get a little too kind of uh, f- fraternizing about women and about his personal life and he unemotionally just puts a kibosh on it he goes yeah we're not doing that right and and they and they kind (laughs) of go sorry sir and he's like no worries Yeah, it's very it's a it's an interesting character like kind of i don't know how to he at times feels wooden to me but like but also, I like him. It's it's very
0: strange. I don't I don't quite get him. Right, the moment where I was afraid he was gonna lose me, I loved the moment. But it was the but then I was like, oh, okay, he he didn't end up doing what I thought he might have done. That was so bad. Was uh, when they discover the UFO, and it's the the press guy, the reporter guy, uh, and he's just. Rightfully so, I think. Like, man, I got to get on the line and tell the world this is one of the biggest discoveries, you know. And then he gets pushback from our boy we were just talking about, Captain Patrick Hendry, where he's like, "No, no, we got to, you know, wait for orders before we can tell the world," kind of thing. And they have this, this, this back and forth on that. And I guess to, 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 to continue with what I was saying about how that was making me feel about the captain, he. He, I was worried it was going to be taken to the point where he, like, locks up the reporter or gets sure, so sure. just, like, crazy about it. No, you can't tell him. But no, it, they just kind of was like, just kind of let it be in a way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, It's almost in a weird way. It's like,
1: it's a little counterintuitive because he kind of diffuses conflict throughout the movie. And, like, as a rule, you don't really want that right like in in storytelling we are told conflict is good like like press on the gas any chance you can like that's what the scene is and this guy kind of is he's diffusing it and it, it, i don't know why it works but it it does i think I it's cuz we're in this situation where it's like cooler heads need to prevail
0: well yeah, but, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the the larger aspect of why it's still working is because you have such a concentrated other conflict, which is right figuring out the monster, <laughs> you know? You can kind of do anything as long as that is your driving force, which it just inherently is for this kind of setup.
1: Yeah. He is a little bit... Um I think there's there's a lack of nuance in the writing of characters of this era. Whereas, like, you know, I, I this would be an interesting thing to kind of map out historically in film. But, like, there's this shift that happened, I would say, in the 60s where we start to really actually get commentary from the character about how they feel about a thing. Whereas like pre, you know, I'm not, this is not any, I'm making these numbers up to a certain degree, this is generalized. But like pre-60, I feel like the vast majority of characters, they never, you never see them admit that they have a conflict within themselves to other characters you know they never say listen i'm fucking conflicted too this is hard for me and i'm trying to figure it out you you almost
0: never saw that kind of thing i feel like you do but it's just kind of it will always be the moment where it's the moment they kind of break down sure if it's this is how i've been feeling you want to hear it you want to hear what i'm actually thinking here it is
1: (laughs) right right and it's and it's always this overt thing whereas like you know if you just look at look at the the john carpenter's thing you you get those moments in fact most of the movie is those moments right of the characters being like what the fuck like what are we do like what are we supposed to do I'm confused. I don't know how to respond. This is crazy. And this is,
0: you don't get that shit at all in this. There are, here we go. There's a thing. We got to deal with it. What happens in this movie is they they nip it in the bud, I think, is the expression where (laughs) you have the one character who is freaking out. And then he has his little rant where he's accidentally like still holding his gun up, just pointed in front of him. Doesn't even realize it, but he's ranting. He's like, "Oh my god, what are we gonna do? I saw it. It was horrible." Blah blah. And then he gets the water thrown in his face. Yes. So it's like that's I their attitude so to that. So fucking long. It's like when that happened. <laughs> it's like, hey man, that's not gonna help our help us all here. Yep. You know, it's kind of. <laughs> And that is very Kurt Russell. Like, I'd see him doing that. He almost played that role in the, the 80s one of just like, hey, just keep it together all. Right. You know, like, yeah. Yeah.
1: No, it's interesting, just from a stylistic point of view, how things have changed and how we depict character and like internal struggle. Like, we don't really see internal struggle in any overt way in these movies.
0: I mean, just sign of your times. Look at it as, like, succumbing to toxic masculinity in terms of admitting yeah. to your feelings or not. Yeah, that you're allowed
1: <laughs> to have feelings.
0: And that we, as filmmakers or storytellers, are allowed to
1: write characters that are allowed to express the fact that they actually have feelings. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's cool to, like, step back and see how that has evolved. Because, like, there's nothing r- inherently bad about the depictions of these characters in this movie.
0: Well, it's it's because, like... It's, they're just uh, painted think, in broad strokes. Well, it's a, yeah, it, it's broad strokes, but you can be more specific and say, like, it's the kind of thing I think we're still struggling with, but you see... It's not that they're their feelings of, like, being hurt or maybe those sort of more vulnerable feel- feelings like aren't on display at all. It's that they are, like, at the time, and, like, what still is, and still plenty of us do, it's expressed through these masculine traits right. like anger and force, yada, yada, you know, yep. freaking out, yelling. So, but as soon as you can make that association of, oh, that is just you know, that's not being tough. Those are an admittance of feeling vulnerable, <laughs> yeah. you know, like then I don't know. You see how we're still humans all along the way. Right. I mean, we do, if there was, it took me a minute to
1: kind of go wrap my head around why we have this pseudo love story. Cause it is not, it is not focused on really at all. It is super like side, just, mm-hmm material and i thought to myself like initially i was like what do we do like why do why is this even in this movie what like what purpose is it serving because this is not a story about their relationship at all like she never she never becomes like the damsel in distress there's none of that he's not like saving her there's it's not a a critical component to this story and so i was like well why is it even there and i think what what I've arrived at, in, in particular in relation to what we we've, we've just been saying, it's sort of this tool that they're using to show that that Captain Pat has a, like has a personality and that he has depth to him and emotions that he isn't really allowed to show. And so you get these things where you get to see like the softer side of Pat, right? Like he gets he sneaks into her office alone to be like, "Yo, why'd you stand me up, man? That like kind of hurt my feelings and like I kind of like you. Like what are we going to do?" And you're like, "Oh, wait, that's that's this dude too?" All right. Like Yeah, no,
0: we cool. we see we and through her eyes we see who he is cuz she clearly knows who he really is. Yeah. Intimate that way. Um, now, from a you know, I guess a
1: counterpoint kind of critical standpoint, it'd be it would have been nice to have her actually be a character and not a caricature of a of a fifties woman, which is just like super throwaway. She's just there to service the the plot of this dude or the the emotional well being of this dude. Um, be that as it may that
0: was standard fare so we could criticize it but like eh yeah I have some observations on it I saved for things of note cool um so what else alright let's get to the the
1: meat and potatoes here
0: <laughs> what what do you think we've been doing
1: James Arness as the the thing the titular <laughs> oh, of course, thing of course this motherfucker of course.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i just thought of you like every time the monster screamed Roar! bro
1: i cannot describe to you the oh well like i even need to every time the thing appears all i did was start yelling yes it's okay. So every fucking time it like came around a corner and like stood there because it's really not doing much.
0: Every time
1: I was like,
0: Oh! Every time,
1: without fail. There was like, I couldn't contain myself.
0: Well, yeah, because I mean, there's so much buildup and when you first (laughs) see it, it's it's so casual. It's like they open a door and it's just there. He's just there and he's like... (laughs) He's like a he's like an o fish dude monster who's yep. a plant or whatever. It's just so good. It's so it yeah. is his sounds he makes are just like, Yeah, that's exactly your swamp thing impression. It's one and the same, you know. <laughs> yes. Like but it's just I mean not only is it just great without, you know, just, just viscerally how it makes you feel but to kind of dismember a bit as we do here uh, something that tickles me about it it's like this is how 1950s people imagined. This is the monster they came up with. These are the choices yeah. that they made for creating a the thing. <laughs> you know, I know you, it's so. You know fun. what's so fa- It's so fascinating
1: to me because there is this aspect of like, just on its surface, like if you look at him, you go, "Who's that?" You go, "It's it's Frankenstein." Really, I mean, it's like big head, big dude, like lumbering around. Kind of slow, n- you know, nonverbal, just noise, dude.
0: Yeah, he especially looks like the, f- the f- how Frankenstein's monster is, and like, is it the third one where he's just like wearing a burlap sack or whatever? <laughs> yeah, but you know, they but they're like, but let's
1: you know, let's juice him up a little bit and give him claws. Rad, like <laughs> fucking radical. Yeah. Hell yeah! But he really is just a, a you know, aesthetically, he's he's Frankenstein with claws. And that's cool. He's in a jumpsuit,
0: which Well, and then more of his rules, he can regenerate. You chop off in a hand, and grows right. it grows it right. That's awesome cuz he's a plant. Yes. And so
1: yeah, that's the thing. He's a plant. He's a plant-based organism rather than a I guess like it's not a carbon, but he's not he's not a he's not a mammal, right? Like he's his cellular structure is, is more akin to like
0: plant. Uh, Cells. You mean Tim? Just say a carrot. That's what he's they a call carrot. him. Yeah, he's a carrot.
1: He's a big <laughs> carrot. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um. <laughs> that's one big carrot. So, <laughs> I I really like it. Like all around, I like it for the movie. Um, and James Arness is you know he's sort of famous for he was in uh. Uh, he was like a cowboy dude in in one of the – I think it was the Big Valley or maybe it was Gunsmoke. I forget. He's like the sheriff of the town in one of those those um, TV shows that I would watch on Sundays at like 2 in the afternoon. Um, but the, they're sort of doing the vampire thing as well, right? Because he drains – he feeds off of blood specifically. And then they're also setting the stage for like, again, like Alien with this sort of pod thing where he has planted his, own, I guess, his little seeds, right? He's got seeds in his hand. They pull a seed out of the hand, the dis, dis uh, dismembered arm that they find that the dogs have like chewed off, has a little seed in the palm of it, and they – he ultimately finds the the greenhouse in their – um outpost and and plants a bunch of those and then or wait does he plant them or does the doctor
0: it's so hard to imagine him just gingerly planting these, he, <laughs> these little I, plants man
1: now i'm confused i, think I just he can't imagine initially i can't imagine they, the they monster take intentionally
0: planting them you know it's just too funny it's too I know. funny to imagine but the, monster the doctors is the one planting you know them. the
1: doctors steal the plasma and they feed the plant and they populate and they do this little experiment of like and they're little pod things and they say, remember they like listen in and it's like, oh, it sounds like a like a like a baby or something like that in the pod, which is a yeah. weird freaky whole concept. But I was just like, dude, this is like, this is alien. Like they, you know, this is the same we there's something in inherently creepy about pod things. <laughs> You know, and like, and like the, um, what do you call it? Where, you know, the, the, the the pop populating the world with these monsters through this sort of plant growth pod thing, really freaky and really cool. Um, so all in all, even though it does feel a little bit like they're, they're pulling a lot of elements and putting them into one monster, I'm down with it. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> because when it comes down to it, it's just a big thing going, oh! That's great. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: It, you loved, know what it um, makes me think too, which is sort of <laughs> this is conjecture, to say the least. But think about, remember the beginning of Prometheus, the, the sort yes. of prequel to Alien? It is a prequel to Alien, whether we like it or not. The initial... What do they call them? The makers, or something like that, or the whatever they call those those characters. But the big I white know, dudes, I know. I know. right? The big white dudes. That design is this design, and I mean, it almost <laughs> makes me feel like there's deep, deeply. Because remember, we talked about Alien being kind of a ripoff of um, Va- Planet of the Vampires, right? Like, yeah. And you you argued that it's just that's just in. The storytelling sort of ether right and i'm I'm down with that argument, and I think that can apply here, where it's just like we are all just as storytellers, we're pulling from these inspirations consciously or unconsciously or or collective consciously, whatever it is, but you see these repeated things, and I think it's really fascinating where you see these images and these sort of you know these story uh elements passed down in particular through horror over the years
0: and this i mean
1: i feel like this is like this movie is like you know it's like the buddy holly to the beatles to the you know like it set the stage for all of the great things to come afterwards and i think that's why we keep coming back to it you know like as film people Cause we go wait, what was the origin of this stuff?
0: It's this yeah. shit,
1: or yeah. it's you know, or it's like the uh, the innocence, or it's uh, what was the one, the house on the cliff one that we watched with the the haunted house on the cliff, the uninvited, the uninvited. Like those seem, those are all like the precursors and the 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 setups and the inspirations for all this great art in horror that came afterwards. And the I just, OGs. I, yeah, I just love going back to him and scenes kind of like where at least the the origins of inspiration kind of started. Cool. Absolutely.
0: And it's, I mean, especially neat when those lead to new things entirely, like things that feel entirely new unto themselves. Like look at everything that is in this that's embedded in John Carpenter's remake, but totally. and then look at what John Carpenter's remake did for that kind of effects work and just like what what that is everything that that is that this movie so isn't it's yet they're still so intertwined it's kind of incredible how like how high you can jump given off a springboard yeah it's cool it
1: makes me want to watch some of these other ones i don't know if uh, like the original blob is in our hat but tim it is (laughs) oh good Good, good. And good. actually,
0: I'm pretty excited coming up because we have a lot of, um, you know, I get excited for the pre 2000 ones, and we have a lot of those coming nice. up. And no, we did. I did make a specific point. I went through like to certain list and of of like 40s, 50s horror, and tried to add stuff nice. I wanted to see. Uh, I mean, you mentioned it kind of in the maybe it was in the summary, but the the idea there or like no coming off of the trailer you know uh the imagination it's it's challenging or whatever the idea in there of intelligence in plants is so cool the idea of a plant person that it's like you know like plants have their intelligence fungus has their intelligence and the idea that that involves to something that's a a humanoid just mm-hmm. it, it just it gets to us in the same way that I think like people are afraid of reptiles yeah. or whatever. But I mean, it's great because he gives those examples in the movie where it's like, well, what about, you know, haven't you heard of the so-and-so vine that can communicate to each other across hundreds of miles? You know, he gives this or this, you know, the the man-eating type of plants. Eh, it's oh, it's it's so cool. It's so it is, cool. It's a it's
1: an important sort of outlook or or you know concept to remind ourselves that we as you know considered the sentient sort of like top of the food chain beings does not mean that we are the superior and only intelligent beings and how you look at what intelligence is you know you 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 need to break down the paradigm that you view intelligence through and realize that, like, these examples are really important, right? Like, plants have their own uh, paradigm of, of existing, and along with that comes things like their version of intelligence, their version of communication, their version of uh emotion or like interaction or like how they respond to the environment or to things you know whatever it may be and that's that's a really trippy rabbit hole to go down because it starts i think it's important for us to start to look at that and go oh right there's a different way to view the the living and and even the non living but the living things around us like it, with without um, anthropomorphizing them right like or or like humanizing them that's right. not as what if, it's
0: about as if that's a sign of intelligence like exactly. I always think I think of plants mushrooms like maybe you know in so many words you know what I mean as like pure intelligence as pure consciousness pure shen- sentience in a way you yeah. know like <laughs> and even in a to, to humanize them a bit like have you ever watched um like seen fast motion or not fast but you know time lapse footage of plants yeah here's a, so my cool. impression of them it's like you can't see it listening but they're like these blueby little dudes they're just they're just dancing yo yeah, they're just like doing the thing, and they'll react. You know, if they'll they'll touch each other, they'll react. You know against what if like? You
1: touch them, they're like they're like a sl- very, really slowed down version of burners. Of burn- you know, like oh. like Burning Man people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're just vibing it, you know. They're yeah, like, the sun's out. And Woo! You, you know, you bump up against one, it might move a little bit. God, yeah, I just I just got that 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 like that nervous horror feeling of like all the plants in my room are listening. Oh my god. It's like in The Happening.
1: You, you remember that movie? Yes, of course. It's the worst, but I <laughs> and I also contest that it's it is actually supposed to be a comedy. Um but that's neither here nor there, but the plants, man. Yeah. The plants. What are they plants. thinking? <laughs> <Roar>! <laughs> <laughs> But I think and that's that's like a long held sort of horror trope too. you know, like the sentient plant like taking over or like the vines coming to get us like it's an evil dead. It's, uh, you know, it's in Swamp Thing. It's like nature, <laughs> <Jumanji>. <laughs>
0: you
1: know, yeah, like nature having this sort of like having had enough with our bullshit and saying finally saying, you know what, we're going to we're going to do something about that is kind of the scary thing. And it shouldn't be. It should just keep us like going, Well, yeah, maybe we should be a little more harmonious with nature and I rather mean, you're than- just
0: talking about real life now. Like that's I am. That's what <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it's so not a stretch. Like we know we but it's such put a- out things that are bad and Mother yeah. Nature knows it and reciprocate not the reciprocates will fight back. But it and that's why it's so good in horror.
1: Yeah. It's because it's like it's like cautionary tale shit. Yeah. Don't, so it's just don't be a jerk, <laughs> or right. else the plants are going to stick their branch up your butt.
0: What's tricky is that is a <laughs> a collective that we're you know having to tell don't be a jerk, yeah. and it's yeah. often not the individuals but the long-stead uh, corporations and mm-hmm. way of yeah. doing things with the the fixations in power. You know, my buddy said something to me yesterday that I thought was kind of sadly
1: profound. Cause I was complaining about how there are these people out in the world who just, you know, they're opportunists and they, you know, they gain a following through division and blah, blah, blah. Right. And they, and they earn a living off of it. Right. Like they make a lot of money and I was moaning about it and his response is it's really easy to make money without principles. And I was like, Oh no, <laughs> it's true, but it's awful. You know, so I think we, on the other side of that, need to keep fighting the good fight, so to speak, to be like, you know, in our realm, let's make art that points at this and gets people thinking about it.
0: Yeah, no, I totally, I believe in my heart that is a tide that is changing and Mm -hmm. this idea of, you know, you see it already in these businesses 3.0. Oh, you just do things for a good reason and treat your workers well and blah 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 all these all these what things no- that should be obvious <laughs> no idea you're actually making more money in the end in a sustainable a way and i used to say this that's a human so endeavor but sort of not i used to say this to the
1: to the gms and owners of the bars i i used to help manage or man i mean i didn't help manage i managed them I used to be like, you guys have to—it cannot be an us against them in terms of the uh, the employees. You can't, like, rule with this sort of hard line <laughs> idea because they will steal from you. They, they don't—like, this is a bar job. They're waiters and servers—they're servers and bartenders and barbacks. Like, why be—like, why act like the tough guy in the situation? It doesn't—it doesn't breed— an environment that's going to make you more money what's going to make you more money is if you accommodate them empower them to feel like they have a say in things they'll be nicer to the customers the customers will stay longer spend more money they'll make more money and the business will make more money it's not rocket science it's really straightforward stuff just be cool and you will benefit from it and how that concept is lost on so many people because of i think honestly to wrap it back around to this movie this sort of trope of toxic masculinity of like, no, we got to be a tough guy. We got to be, you know, a hardline tough guy, you know, you know, shoot first, ask questions later because we don't want to diminish our status in the hierarchy of it's, things. It's
0: funny because I thought you're going to tie it back to this movie in the exact opposite way. We're saying ca- Captain Patrick Hendry is cool and uh, has total his he's has the respect of all everyone he works with. Well, that that is
1: sort of my point in, in that this movie sets that premise of of the hardline tough guy thing and then shows us that there is an alternative that this that like we can get through it if we sort of band together and don't let our you know our um what's what would you call the sort of the 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 doctor's weakness is that he's 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 ignoring the hu- the human side of things for the sake of this idea of of uh, uh gaining profit i guess in a way from this experience and we get to see that you know those things put up against each other and when he tries to appeal to the monster or the things intelligence or whatever the the, the thing just knocks him out of the way. It's like, yo, no, you're coming at it from the wrong angle, dude. I loved that part. Yeah, that
0: that moment is really, like, telling. Well, and it's, uh, but it's also, it's not it's not definitive because maybe this thing wouldn't have hit him had they not just been trying to blow him up the whole time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, to his point. Yeah, and like, so Like, I then- love that one line where he runs on and says, or one of them goes, like— uh, keep in mind, you know, from this thing's perspective, all it's been through is it's been, it's it's got out of ice, it was attacked by dogs, it was shot at, it was <laughs> set on fire. Like, yeah. what do you think it's thinking? <laughs> yeah, it's
1: a little too late. Like, the olive branch yeah. burnt up with the ship, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it's it's cool to realize that underneath the seemingly kind of black and white, no pun intended, but black and white, concepts that are presented in the film there's a bunch of layers of 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 nuance that do exist
0: yeah like i like looking at it as like the seeing that there's you know, all these v- values that we think are sort of definitive end things, whether it be like the current one, that, that it has to be socialism versus capitalism, as right. if those aren't things that can work in tandem kind of thing. Like the Red Scare, you know, all that. You know what I'm saying. Communism versus whatever. Right. Um, but the ideas behind this one of sort of the science, what the scientist represents and then what the captain represents, There's there's truth to where they're both coming from. But where I like where this one sort of comes down on is the kind of like the the anti-Thanos trait of like, okay, yeah, no, that may be true. Like that population overgrowth has something to do with the problem, but the way to get to a better future is never by harming people in the immediate now. You know <laughs> yeah <laughs> what I'm saying? So yeah, in the, the context of this, it's like, no, like, yeah, scientists, dude. Yeah, you're right. This is uh, a great... F- Uh, discovery for humanity but it doesn't mean we have to like kill people along the way or sacrifice ourselves that's there's our humanity buddy well there's yeah there's sort of there's sort of a
1: a thesis I think slightly buried in this in this film that is really that being measured and not allowing our weaker sort of you know impulses to take it over and then divide us because of the fear of working together because that's what happens right like the problems really get going in this movie when the doctor and his buddies discover the dog that has been um left in the little cupboard in the greenhouse room and the other scientists doctor guys say we should tell we should tell everybody. And the main doctor goes, no, we shouldn't. We should keep it to ourselves and we'll hold our own little experiment because we're the scientists and they're the military guys. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't, like, overlap with each other because it'll just cause problems. That's wrong. And, and Captain Pat literally says this afterwards. He's like, why did you keep this from me? We need to work together the consequences of you keeping this from all of us was that your dudes got killed they're hanging upside down drained of blood in the other room <laughs> like what's your problem man and so there's this sort of underlying thesis of like we're we're in it together right like whatever the thing is we need to we need to like consider each other as a group first and help each other out rather than division and you know, kind of going running off to the races of 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 our own needs or our own individual desires and and the thing in a weird way kind of represents this individualism problem, right? He's on his own, and he's being inundated with all sorts of shit just coming his way if If he was in a group, they might be able to sort of be like oh, a whole little group of family of things. <laughs> But, you know, communication often is better served through a group dynamic if it's measured, right? Because you can come to to a group consensus and say, okay, what's best? Let's discuss it and come to a conclusion rather than one person standing up there and being like, my way, the best way, fall in line, everybody, which is why dictators don't really
0: work. (laughs) yep
1: (laughs) right so there's a lot going on and i think that there is this underlying commentary i think that that if you want to pull it pick it apart from that point of view you, you there is a bunch of commentary from this sort of united states like what's the the best in us as the united states in 1950s cold war era and you know authoritarian communist russia as problematic as the 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 viewpoints on that at the time may have been there is sort of this broad overtone of you know if we work together we we can be okay if we allow individual sort of authoritarian ideals to take over we might be in trouble
0: right it comes down to what is our immediate what our immediate present needs for survival because what the scientist is saying is He's talking about stuff that doesn't have to do with the group's immediate survival. Right. Like, yeah, there may be a truth to like the importance of discoveries for humanity, but dude, when it comes down to it, that's like the future is fantasy land in a way. You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. hey guys, let's how about we just worry about our own heads. Yeah. That's
1: an interesting thing. I mean, I think we should move on, but like just thinking about the the implication the sociopolitical political in- implication of that kind of outlook it's like yes we want to do things for the future and like pave the way but you can't pave a future road that doesn't exist you have I mean, to are- <laughs> start with
0: what I- is literally existing right now that's that's the that's the human journey there tim that's <laughs> the human experience there like there's yeah that's what we'll be podcasting, writing books about, watching movies about forever. <laughs> totally. Um, well, and I think that what's cool is that's that's in this movie. Yes. Well, should we move on to see anything that did not work?
1: Um, I just have one more thing to say. From a visual standpoint, not the most interesting movie, but there are moments that are fucking amazing, and they have to be pointed out. James Arness I, getting set on fire <laughs> is one of the most incredible scenes like it is they throw like accelerant on him three times in that scene yeah. it is out of control we really just watch it all play out too like them putting the fire amazing. out and it looks great and then I it's because really it's do,
0: real they
1: just did it <laughs> that's right i really really love <laughs> the final moment of him getting electrocuted i love the look of it and i love how he shrinks and like wilts yeah, yeah. That's super cool. So I did love
0: are- that whole that whole sequence of them finally defeating him where it's like He's walking super slow. It's just funny how it like both plays out exactly as they hope, yet also <laughs> it goes just off enough to kind of make a scene out of it. Where it's like he's yeah. off of the little path that they need him to be I standing love on. That moment. So they just throw the axe on the ground and he just <laughs> kind of goes and steps onto the path.
1: <laughs> His little hoppy hop onto the onto the
0: pathway is hilariously <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and his whole we kind of mentioned it but the whole beat when he's listening to the scientist's desperate plea please I know you understand me I know you're intelligent he just stands listening to him for quite a bit he really lets him go on for something that eventually just knocks the scientist out of the way he like kind of hears him out you know it's funny yeah
1: it's almost like it's kind of like if you were standing outside like having a picnic or whatever and a bee came over and like landed near you You'd kind of stop, well, some people, I would stop and I'd kind of watch the bee for a while and I'd be like, okay, uh uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know what you want because I don't speak bee. (laughs) Sure you do. (laughs) But then the bee sort of like gets up and flies a little bit at you. You swat at it. You're like, get out of here, bee. Get out of my face. I was cool with you over there, but now you're in my face. So I'm going to swat you. That
0: is speaking bee, Tim. (laughs) You speak B, um, but that's it. Yeah, I like this movie. It's fun. Great. All right. So if there was anything, let's figure out what that was in our next section. What did not work?
1: Things <sighs> this should be interesting. On your when the the version you watched? Did you watch it on Amazon?
0: Uh Fandango Now. Okay.
1: Were there like a few scenes that were the um the white balance like was the exposure of the film was essentially really blown out? No, I didn't notice it. That's weird, because on mine it, it only happened a few times when I was like, ooh, something's wrong with the exposure on this. Was the scene Was the
0: asp- was the aspect ratio four by three or filling the whole screen? Uh, I don't remember.
1: I have to look
0: again. <laughs> yeah. Whatever I watched, it was cool. I, I kept trying to figure out if it was cropped or not, but it was like filling the whole screen 16 by 9, and it was a really sharp HD picture. It was cool. Huh. All
1: right. Well, those were distracting. I didn't know if I should criticize them or like it didn't work because it distracted me. I guess that's that's the only point I have to make.
0: <laughs> well, the, um, I don't really have – anything either i mean my stretch was at moments during it like the humor that i loved so much i wondered if it was at the same time undercutting the tension and the horror Mm. of the situation i don't know but then i wouldn't want it without it at the same time i don't know it was just a feeling i had during it
1: yeah i think it's a fine line in this one where I think if I could have asked for something a little bit – to have a little bit more in this movie, it would be a little bit more of like people being – not like hysterical, but like acknowledging the desperation of the situation.
0: Again, it was all concentrated to that one freak out and then a glass of water was thrown in his face and then – and hey, well, that's all, I don't know, for me it was kind of like, great, That's they took care of all that there. <laughs> well, I think what I mean is that you they
1: do it, like they do advance the problem, right? Initially the problem is the thing got loose, and then the next problem is, oh no, it's coming back in, and then the next problem is it's killing people, <laughs> and then the next problem is, it shut off our heat. And that's that's pretty intense. Like they're 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 really dire. And so it becomes a matter of survival more than us. Just us. The the, the humans just being like, oh, just kill it. Right. And that's actually I should have put this in things that work like that's a really good conceit that like it's really not about them just just being like, let's just kill it because we're scared of it it's more hey this thing is now messing with us and like we're going to die out here if we don't if we don't uh you know do something about it protect ourselves so i guess in those moments of progression i i would just have wanted to see a little bit the 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 desperation of each progressive problem meet the actual problem right like i want to see them go dude, we're, this is getting worse. We're in deep shit now. And I don't feel like we kind of, I felt like we kind of stayed at the same level of, okay, here we are. Here's a new problem. We better solve it.
0: I know exactly what you mean. Like, yeah, whenever like the, like let's say the burning strategy didn't work, there was no heavy reassessment of what to do or it just kind of like, didn't hold the the consequence you might want. This is an insurmountable feat that we have to do.
1: Yeah. So, you know, that's I mean, that's kind of an overarching conceptual like, oh, it, if it had been there a little bit more, I would have been more excited, I guess. But so be it. Still fine. <laughs> Great. But maybe that was a oh, thing holding you back from
0: a, a yes, buy. Yes.
1: I think that is kind of what keeps me from it being a buy. Um there's one other thing that's just a It's just a technical thing that I guess is a bummer so when they blow up the ship um we're on a set there's a lot of really great on location shots but that blow up whatever it was called thermal dynamic new whatever it was called the thermodynamite stuff um when they actually do the pyro shot of that there's a big What's it called? A uh, flat behind them that is is painted. What's the name of that? What's that called? The <laughs> there's a term for this: a giant wall that's painted to look like the sky. The facade,
0: like yes. I know that's so, what it is. I don't know if it's what it's called.
1: Yeah, well, whatever. There's a giant painted facade of the sky, and unfortunately, because it's so big and they're they're shooting such a wide angle, the thing is huge. It's probably like thirty feet tall. And ninety to hundred feet long there's a there's a very, very clear seam, a vertical seam in the material that they painted, and they try to kind of hide it with like how they paint the clouds, but it is so obvious in h d now
0: that's so funny i I'm usually notice those things like the lines of where the matte painting starts but, yeah or or the the background whatever it is. But this, I didn't notice that at all, Tim. Uh, I thought it was all outside. They really had me on this one. uh, It bummed me out because
1: I was with it. I was like, man, they shot all of this on location. That's wild. Cool, cool. And then that moment happened. And then so when the camera tilts up and follows the smoke of the explosion, you actually see the top of that fucking uh facade that they built. Like you (laughs) see it. I did not I bet you when that. it was, you know, on film stock, you know, back in the day, it was, n- like, you couldn't really tell. Yeah. But now that we've got it, you know, converted and whatever, remastered and all the above, blah, blah, blah. Anyway,
0: that's it for me. I like everything else. Great. Me too. All right. We'll move on to our last, next and last section. Things of note. It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> well, just that bit of a historical context and what was going on, like we've already talked about. With, as I put it uh, here, it's you have this like anti-intellectual brouhaha of these strong-jawed army mm-hmm. types, and they're like against this skinny, foppish, he's kind of like vaguely like Eastern European clothing like scientist, (laughs) you know. It's just that That was just so funny. And so this is from the Wikipedia where they're at. I don't know where they were sourcing it from, but the film reflected a post-Hiroshima skepticism about science and prevailing negative views of scientists who meddle with things better left alone. In the end, it is American servicemen and several sensible scientists who win the day over the alien invader. So it's just funny now we're like put that way. I'm like, oh, I get it where it's just now it's kind of like when watching it, I'm like, dude, just listen to like work with the scientist. Like what's with your kind of like, oh, who does a scientist think he is? But when you're coming off of scientists just invented the atom bomb and blew up two cities, like I, I get that, you know? And that's a lot of what was all in um Fiend Without a Face yeah. too. It's the, yeah. the armies. Uh, well, that's more, that was actually interesting. That was more on the army that was that was conjoining scientists with the army as one. When here, right. that sort of it was an inner conflict between them.
1: Yeah, no, it's cool. It's uh, it's it's interesting to see how. I mean, if you uh, to me, you kind of take that as is. It's it's a fairly progressive point of view in that they're like, yes, science is is good in, in you know like as a general rule, science is good. And so is military. But it can go too far, and and the threat of it going too far is a scary thing. And we, you know, like, where do we sort of draw the line of what that is? Like,
0: what what is going too far? And I mean, that's, I mean, that line is, you know, human lives in exchange for scientific advancement. That's how it's drawn here, and that's what right. I think, you know? I mean— <laughs> this is a scary statistic in the in our current
1: state of affairs. Um, being still that we're in the kind of a slight lockdown pandemic that has is unresolved, and two hundred and some thousand people have died in the U.S. In uh, between the two bombings, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, somewhere in the range of one hundred thirty to two hundred fifty ish thousand people were killed um that's you know a hard number to pin down but think about that right like in one single event well two single <laughs> events i guess the same number of people who approximately who have died of covid in the states were killed in that and that's like at the hand of one decision right and so i can see people being like yeah it's good that we won the war and, like, that that's over, but w- at what cost, right? Like, wh- that's pretty alarming that, that that's what it took. That's what we – that's how far we chose to go to end this conflict. When- and I think that, you know, I, I'm not I'm – not, there's no editorializing on that. I'm just saying that that's a pretty intense reality to live in at the time.
0: I mean, one of the heaviest experiences I've had was visiting Hiroshima. And the the feeling you get when you go there is it, it's it, it's 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 there everywhere. It's not at all like this is something that we're brushing under the rug. The feeling is that it's all looking at it head on and just sort of giving you this feeling of saying this can never happen again. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It just it's and it, it feels like it's the peace capital of the world huh. in that sense. And I think they, they maybe call themselves that to the extent or has some kind of name to the city attached to that. But hmm. It feels that way when you think of like a phoenix rising out of the ashes and what caused it to turn into ashes and the phoenix that's coming out is a response to whatever turned it into ashes like mm-hmm. Boy Howdy How did we get over here Tim <laughs> Well just to
1: say that this is the this is the world that this film came out of Right 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 Immediately right. I mean think about when they started filming this is probably in 49 or 50
0: well that's that is interesting to think of then at the time your country is justifying this, you know, horrific act. Yet to think that maybe you give more credit to people at the time, like God, I, I wonder if I could ask my grandma, you know, is kind of on her last legs, like, what did you think of when they bombed Hiroshima? Like, I know my grandpa would have they, if they didn't do Hiroshima, they were going to do the million-man invasion of Japan, likely. I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have been here if it was right. for that because my grandpa right. would have been in that. But I I don't know. It's just, it's just crazy. It's crazy to think. Well, and I think, you know, as a sort of continuation
1: of that in relation to us in in modern times, what are we going to see in terms of art and the commentary on the current situation that that the world is in, in it's years. in yeah. five years right like what are the stories and what are the point of views that are going to exist within those stories going to be about in in relation or at least influenced by what we've currently been going through
0: i mean and what's so fun about that for me is it's it's hard to really pinpoint that when they're happening. Like, only now were we talking about sort of what the hostels meant for the time. That's right. Like, yeah, you know, know, people are saying it, blah, 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 but, you know, they're probably not wrong, you know, and if you do talk about whatever's contemporary. Mm -hmm. But it's fun when you have sort of something distilled. I think there's a really big part to when people are younger and are growing up with something and then are now the ones, you know, adults out in the world who then can give this new perspective on it, I think that's when we really start to get an idea of the the historical significance behind things or what things were saying yeah. at the time. Like, this is going on an even further tangent, but I just thought it was such a good point of how now we're having the discussions of the... Of what the what the Star Wars prequels were, and like how they actually <laughs> like 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 actually like you know you are in a position to sort of write essays on them and sort of talk about what they are from all the people who are kids who grow them kind of more right. you know the my generation and then um, so it's just as far as like what the heck these the sequel trilogy actually was I feel like it's going to take you know that in ten years once the kiddos who grew up with them are able Mm. to, you know, make their video essays on them, that it's only then we'll really have an idea. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Well, other things going on in this film, I thought was things of notey interesting that I was thinking about during it. Like you mentioned, which is is like so typical for the time, but the women just being relegated to like the single secretary role kind of thing. But just what struck me, and this this honestly has always struck me before it was in the zeitgeist, but just here's just another shining example of it, was just like, when you're just watching these groups of men go around and just mess everything up and blow stuff up by accident, like you realize whether it's this movie or the world at large or tons of other movies like this, it's all just boys with toys is I just think such an accurate term yeah. or description for what the world has been doing. And it's just like, how, how you know, just how we aren't like, of course we aren't Figuring everything out now. Of course, we're messing everything up because everything has just been boys with toys. Mm-hmm. And it's just and it's just funny too watching them because it's just like this kind of. I mean, it's it's dangerous, and maybe this is just you know more being a man who hasn't been you know most hurt from it, but just like seeing their seeing their kind of their certitude in the way of being where I just. I don't know, endeared's too far. Maybe it's just exactly what I've been saying. Like, they just seem like boys, you know, (laughs) like, going from room to room doing this to this, and it's just, when you're watching this kind of film, it's just all that much more obvious. It makes me wonder a little bit about, like, the intention of the filmmakers
1: and the writers in in relation to who they thought their audience was, who the movie-going audience was going to be, like, who are they targeting this film toward? And likely... This is speculation on my part, but I'm guessing that it was largely the 16 to like 25 crowd, right? Because at the time, who who was the base of who went to movies? I feel like he, it's always been the youth of as far right? as movies, whose movies are largely targeted at. So it's an interesting, it, it's, man, there. it's, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but. When you think about, I was—I don't know, fuck. What was I watching the other day? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I was watching something that was a little bit older, and I was like, "This is such a bad precedent to be setting as the depiction of like what w- how men should act, right? Like this is this is not helpful because young people are going to be the ones who consume this, and they're going to think that this precedent of men acting this particular way." is how men should act when outside of that like when you're older you can watch a film and be like oh that's satire on how men behave or men behaving badly but like the target audience and in this example is young men and if young if the men in the film are behaving in a way that is problematic or whatever that they're just going to absorb that as their precedent for how men like their model for how men behave and how they should behave as men and I'm like, wow, this is a weird spiral that we need to figure out how not to fall into.
0: I think there's there's like a third version of that, though maybe it falls more into the satire side. Mm-hmm. But it's what you see in like Dazed and Confused and a lot of other movies that are about, it, they're simply about a time. They're trying to just document mm-hmm. something for what it is. So like when you have you know sure. in Dazed and Confused them, Going around after freshmen with paddles and like you know putting the put in the things the uh, the baby things and pacifiers in the girls' mouths like all that stuff it's it feels neither like you know it's telling you to do this nor is it necessarily it feels like it's doing both almost it's like reveling mm-hmm. it, it in it that it's happened while also pointing out how horrible and ridiculous it is it's like simply kind of this indifferent like acknowledgement and appreciation for this is you yeah this is unique to the time um but that works in those
1: in those types of films because you have diversity within the points of view right you have different characters who we understand where they're coming from and what they're looking at and there's there's a dichotomy between them yeah and and then there's this sort of omnipotent presentation of of the camera's eye that is looking in on the experiences of these people, whereas when you when you relegate all of your main characters to one worldview, you don't get that back and forth. You get you don't get perspective on that. Though that those the way those people are behaving is is probably not ideal. Yeah. So there's I think it's it, it, look it's incumbent upon us as artists to not fall into the trap where we just sort of do these single view or single viewpoint sort of stories we 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 need to have layers and 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 diversity within the the way that we depict people and like characterize people and have there be nuance to that that's it
0: (laughs) i love it all great indeed 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 um already kind of mentioned these last two things but just because they are things of note. This really was the film that like created this subgenre or whatever, this type of horror film. So, hey, that's cool. Um and then something uh something I kind of um this was pointed out to me and actually what I'll recommend dead, someone's um someone did make I I like made a little kind of like love letter video to this movie and he was pointing out th- how this film is unfortunately feels like it's getting erased a little bit from history hmm. in terms of just when you're, let's say, Googling the thing and what it means or trying to buy it. Like, you Google the thing and all it is is the 80s one. Then after that, it'll be the Mary Elizabeth Winstead remake mm-hmm. or the, the prequel slash remake, whatever. Right, right. Um. So this one's, you know, not <laughs> obvious as is when you're, if you're just looking for it by typing in the thing. And, like, when you buy, this is exa- maybe a better example. Like, if you're on Amazon and you're looking up the Blu-ray, you just see a Blu-ray that says, like, includes both films, including the original and what that means. And it's just sort of, you know, the thing over black. Like, it's just the same title, you know. that. And that is actually something that's a thing of note that's different that's cool. Like, the thing title in this film is the same one as the 80s I one. That I, I going really it's like really that. Cool. Yeah. So imagine just that over, like, a black background on a Blu-ray, and it says include the original. You know, a lot of us might think, oh, great, I'm going to get the John Carpenter one and the original Howard Hawks one. Nope, nope, you're getting the, the remake that was most definitely a disappointment and, and the other remake. You were <laughs> not getting the original.
1: <laughs> well, it seems too, and I'm trying to figure this out, but it seems like there were two versions of this movie made in the 50s. And I can't find... Anything that, like... Wait, where did you see that? On the... On the Wikipedia, under critical analysis, it says, film critic Roger Ebert wrote about the thing from another world in an 82 review of the John Carpenter thing, stating the two 1950s versions were seen at the time as fables based on McCarthyism communists... Uh, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like,
0: what are the two versions? Like, what is he referring to? (laughs) I think that's referring to, oh, no, the novella was from 1938. I thought that's maybe what it was referring to.
1: Yeah, I'm a little confused. Well, maybe I'll do a little digging. We can circle back to it at another time.
0: Great. Well, that's it for now for Things of Note. Is that it for now for The Thing from Another World? I think it is. Great. Then with that, we move on to our recommendations. Well, I already mm-hmm. kind of mentioned mine to give credit to where I saw that who made that love letter to this movie is none other than James Rolf of the YouTube Cinemasker. He's known as the angry video game nerd too, but <laughs> I really got to recommend Dead Him as um, he has this series that he's been doing forever, usually like for October, called Monster Madness. Cinema Massacre's Monster Madness. And they're just... He's done it all. He's like talked about... Actually, you know, where I was telling you how I, I was adding a lot of 40s, 50s movies to our, our hat. It's pretty much just from him. Where he has all these like top movies i love of the 50s godzilla movies everything from the he's all horror. it's just there must be like almost a hundred of these little monster madness uh videos that he's made but like the way he loves and talks about not just the old ones but all of them it's just a lot of fun it's kind of a really these fun little summation snippets of all these classic horror movies uh yeah, anyway, I recommend that those. If you just Google Cinemassacre's Monster Manus, it like it'll take you to a subset of their website that looks like it just has them all listed. Sweet.
1: Um I am going to recommend dead. Oh god, now I'm worried that I already did this. Did I do the guest? No, I don't think so. Oh man. So a few years ago, I watched or I put the, I, I started watching The Guest. It's from 2014. It was on Netflix or whatever. And I got, you know, maybe 20 minutes in and I was like, blah, I, I don't want to watch this. It's, I, I feel like I already know what this movie is and blah, blah, blah. And I turned it off. And then my friend Shane, said, hey, dude, have you seen The Guest? It's really good. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't feel like watching it. He was like, w- what? It's great. You should watch it. You'll like it. I was like, no, nah, I don't think I'll – I don't like it. Whatever. And so, like, that was, like, four <laughs> years ago. And so <laughs> I turned it on with uh, with my friend the other day, and we watched it, and it's so good. <laughs> I don't know what my problem was. I Maybe I was having a bad day. Who knows? But it's so, so good. Um, it's got this kind of cool, uh, like it's 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 a little bit of that '80s vibe that like Panos has. It, it it I mean Panos is way further along in that sort of like kind of homagey feel, but it it it's got an undertone of that that I really really like. Some of the music is really cool, and it's a very cool kind of twist story thing. Um, it's great. You should watch it. It's got Dan Stevens, who is. A fantastic actor. And it's directed by Adam Wingard, who also directed, if I remember correctly, um, Your Next, which I love. And I have recommended Dead in the past.
0: I have only ever heard great things about The Guest and been recommended it and now recommended it. So thanks for putting on the pressure even more. No, I still haven't seen it after all these years. Yeah, dude. Do it. Tim. I think it's your turn to pull for next week's film. Okay, well the hat's right here, so I'm gonna I'm gonna fiddle about with these
1: little things in the hat. That sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, it's a long one. <laughs> oh. This is called The Banana Splits Movie. And it's from twenty nineteen and it's submitted by Zach Brown. <laughs>
0: Zach Brown again. We get both of his submissions. Zach just, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, his entry of Mears with Kiefer Sutherland was a recent episode of ours we just watched.
1: Well, let's hope and that, already that he, referenced this one again. can be redeeming.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I That was fun talking about Mears. at least. Agreed. I'm glad we watched it. Yeah. Uh, the Banana Splits <laughs> movie. All right, Zach. Here's another one for you. I hope, uh, hope we'll enjoy it. hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Great. Well, until <laughs> the Banana Splits movie, uh, <laughs> you can find us wherever you found us. We got an Instagram. We got a Twitter. All that good stuff. That's true.
1: Hang out with us. Come on. It's yeah, well, We're still it hang- in
0: like a weird pandemic quarantine. Like, I need friends. Digital Watch friends. Watch a movie. Watch the movie with us. Join our discussion, all that fun stuff. We are here not just for you, but with you. So that's it, Tem, Tim, 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 Tim Eslin, Tim Aslin. If that's it, just got to say, in closing, watch the skies. And <laughs> thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. HAHAHAHAHAHA <laughs> <laughs>